Well, good morning, Golden Corner Church. Good morning to each and every one of you. Uh, I really enjoyed our worship service, in particular that last song. What a great song, what great lyrics those are. This morning I want to do sermon number five in a sermon series entitled Fear Less. If it's your first time here, here's what we're doing. We're studying the Bible to see what it has to say about fear. And we're being really realistic in our goal. And our goal is not that when the series is over, we're all fearless. But when the series is over, we all are at this point, we certainly want to fear less. Okay? You know, life can be full of surprises. Some good. Some not so good. Some that scare the wits out of us. Some surprises enrich our lives, while others rob us of the coveted gift of peace. What are we to do when trouble or calamity show up with little or no warning? What are we to do when peace moves out and panic moves in? Is there any way to recover our peace? When fear... And anxiety settle in. Is there any way to get them to move out and get peace to move back in? Yes, absolutely. And this morning I'm going to guide you down a pathway that leads from panic to peace. To do that, I got to uh, tell you a story. We're going to read some verses. Uh, it's found in the Old Testament book of Second Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, let me set the stage before we read and tell you what's going on. We're talking about the, the Judeans. And at this point in the history of the nation of Israel, the nation had divided into two nations. Ten of the twelve tribes remained in the north, and they called themselves the nation of Israel. Two tribes were in the south, and they called themselves the nation of Judah. We're talking about Judah, and we're talking about Judah's king, a guy named Jehoshaphat. You ever heard of Jehoshaphat? Well, one day Jehoshaphat gets up and goes down to the office for a normal day's work running a country. And at some point during the day, I believe his secretary poked her head in the door and said, King, I hate to bother you, but there's some guys here that say they need to talk to you, and they say that it's urgent. And so a group of men come into his office, and they say, King, we've got some bad news, and we've got some really bad news. Which do you want first? I think Jehoshaphat said, well, give me the bad news first. They said, okay, here's the bad news. The Ammonites, the Moabites, and a group of men from Mount Seir have joined forces. They've merged their armies together into one vast, powerful army, and they've declared war on you and Judah. That's the bad news. Can you imagine Jehoshaphat going, well, if that's the bad news, what's the really bad news? So the really bad news is they started in your direction a long time ago. And they're almost here. Essentially, they're in your backyard, king. So the king discovers there's a threat on the horizon that wasn't there the day before. It's an intimidating, viable threat. How does he respond to this news? I want you to read a portion of Second Chronicles 20, verse number 3 with me. Look at this. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. 
which means he was seized by fear, gripped by fear. Fear took total control of him, dominated him. As a matter of fact, I think it would be safe to say at this point, fear led him into a full-blown state of panic because here's the deal. He was in charge. He didn't have the luxury of being in a gray area. Uh, He had to make some decisions. Something had to be done, and guess who had to make this decision? Joseph had did, and he was in a real pickle because he was in one of those places where something had to be done. He had no idea what to do. So he's in a state of panic. Well, I want you to read the final verse of this chapter, which tells us how the story ends. Look at this. Second Chronicles 20, verse 30 said, So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at, do you see that word? Peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. So when the story opens up, Jehoshaphat is in a state of panic. When the story ends, he's back in a state of peace. So somehow or another, they were able to navigate from panic to peace. And if we look carefully at that story, I believe I can outline the pathway that leads from panic to peace. And I think it consists of three steps. You ready, note takers? You ready? Step one, pray. Don't worry. Pray. When something suddenly arises in our life that threatens our peace, we instinctively worry. We seem to automatically go into the what if, how will mentality. You know what I'm talking about? What if this happens? How will I make ends meet? Well, what if that happens? How would I ever be happy again? Well, what if this happens? How will I ever face my friends? And what if that happens? How would I ever start all over at my age? And it just goes on and on and on. Worry may be instinctive, but worry acts like an armed guard. Keeping peace away from our hearts and our minds. As long as we worry, we'll never find peace. Rather than worrying, we should pray. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. I want you to back up and look at verse number 3 again in its entirety. The Bible says Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and he begged God for guidance. Prayer is the first step on the pathway to peace because prayer shifts our focus off of the problem and onto God. Worry insists on focusing on the problem. And that only leads to elevated levels of fear. Prayer brings God into focus, and that leads to peace. Let's take a look at a portion of Jehoshaphat's prayer. We're going to read verses 6 through 9. The Bible said, He, speaking of Jehoshaphat, prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. Now look at this next line. You are ruler. In other words, you're in authority. You're in control of what? Heaven? He just said, you're the God of heaven. What's he the ruler of? He said, you are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You're not just ruler of of Israel to the north of us. You're not just ruler of Judah. Let me tell you what. You rule over Ammon. You rule over Moab. You rule over the, the men of Mount Seir. You're in control of all the people who are a part of the situation that I find myself in. It's not nothing happening outside of your control. That's what he's saying. You're ruler of all the kings of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. How powerful and mighty. No one can stand up against you. 
Not even that vast army that's breathing down our necks. They can't stand against you. You seeing what he's doing? You seeing how he's praying? Then all of a sudden he goes back through the archives. And he says, Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who live in this land when your people Israel arrived? In other words, he's saying, uh, I can remember a time in our history uh, when we, you were giving us this land and it was, in, it was inhabited by all these people that were so frightening and intimidating. And I do believe that according to history, you took care of them. And they were bigger and badder than this outfit that we're facing right now. You see what he's doing? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? You, your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever. Did you notice he didn't say, if ever? But whenever you are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence for this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you or pray. We can cry out to you to save us. And you might... What is that word? You will hear us and rescue us. As Jehoshaphat prayed, his focus shifted to God. He focused on who God was. He focused on God's authority and power. Then he took a trip down memory lane and focused on God's faithfulness. He focused on the fact that God listens to and answers prayer. Prayer moved Jehoshaphat's focus off the problem and onto God. As a matter of fact, I love the way this prayer ends in the New International Version of the Bible. Jehoshaphat said, hey, we're powerless against this great threat. We have, you know, we're clueless. We have no idea what to do. But this is the way it reads in NIV. But our eyes are on you. We're no longer focused on the threat. We're no longer focused on this battle. We're now focused very clearly on you. Prayer moved Jehoshaphat's focus onto God. And as it did, I believe peace began to replace fear. No wonder the Apostle Paul said in the New Testament book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, don't worry about anything. Uh, Instead, pray about Man, you're getting it. Tell God what you need, Paul said, and thank him for all he has done. Don't forget that. Then you will experience God's peace, which guards your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So when something arises that steals our peace, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to stop and we're going to pray. You got it? We're going to stop and we're going to pray. I've got to give you a few practical tips here on how to pray. It's going to sound somewhat redundant, but somebody needs to hear this. You know, when something, when this calamity comes upon you, here's what you do. You're going to stop and you're going to pray. But before you pray, you're going to remind yourself of something. You're going to remind yourself of what prayer is. Because sometimes I think we pray in the mindset that prayer is just an empty, meaningless, religious ritual. It's just people reciting words. That's not what prayer is. You know what prayer is? Prayer is a human being talking to the living, almighty, all-wise God with the absolute confidence that he listens to our prayers with an inclination to respond to them and do what we're asking. I think sometimes the best thing to do before you pray is to remind yourself of what you are about to do. You're about to be engaged in conversation with God himself. The second tip I'd give you this. Focus on God before you focus on the problem. When the threat arises, when that, when that pr- a problem arises, let me tell you what we typically like to do. We pray the panic prayer. You know, what, you know what I'm talking about? The panic prayer. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? 
God, you're going to have to do something. Stop that, fix that, change that. How'd Joseph pray? He said, I'll get to the problem. First, God, I need to give you some praise. You are God alone. You are the God of heaven. You rule over all the kings of the earth. You're powerful and mighty. No one can stand up. Well, man, think about this. He starts off with praise. Now, he gets around to asking for help about the problem. But the first thing, he focused on God first. What, what do you think that did to his perspective about the problem? I'm telling you, every, every moment he spent praising God and focusing on who God was, I tell you, the size of his problem, the size of the threat was diminishing in the shadow of God. Uh, the second, third thing I tell you to do is this. Uh, Give thanks for past victories before you talk about today's battles. That's what he did. He said, well, you know, I've got, I've got, we're going to talk about these enemies. Before we do, uh, God, there have been other enemies in my life. There have been other battles. There have been other problems and situations. And you delivered me from this. You delivered me from that. You delivered us from this. What do you think it was doing to him mentally? I'll tell you what he's doing. This is just reminding him that God is faithful. He never let me down. He's never let us down. We've been in situations like that, and God has gotten us out of all of them. All of them. Here's what I tell you to do. Before you focus on today's battles, take some time to focus on yesterday's victories. I tell you what, if you look over your shoulder, you look into your past, you know what you recognize? You've been in some difficult situations before. You've been in some frightening situations before. And what did God do? Got you out of every last one of them. You know why? Because he's faithful. If he never failed you then, I don't think there's any chance of him failing you now. And once you've done all that, I think it's time to seek God's guidance and his help. Ask him. These people asked God for two things. They needed his guidance, but they also needed his help. And, and you're, when, you, when it comes time to talk about the threat that's looming, the problem you see on the horizon, I'd ask God for two things. Number one, guidance. Is there something I'm supposed to do? You know what, Jehoshaphat? He looked at his situation and said, it's like a chess game, and my enemy just called checkmate. I guarantee you, Jehoshaphat looked at the board and said, i got no move here. Not that I can see. And as he prayed, the Bible said he begged for guidance. You know what he was saying? God, I don't see a move left on the board. If there's a move we're supposed to make, tell me what that move is. That's the first thing we do. But then he moved on and said, now in addition to that, I can already see that this is, even use this word, powerless. We can't whip them. So we're going to need your help. You know, I think in prayer, when it comes time to ask for God's guidance and help, it's time to be completely honest. And, and, and here's a little prayer that I like to pray sometimes. God, here's two things. One, I'm clueless. Two, I'm helpless. You know what that kind of honest prayer can get you? Guidance and help. And then I think the last tip of that prayer is wouldn't hurt to get somebody else involved in praying with you. Uh, you know what Joseph did? He called a national day of prayer. He said, I want everybody, we all need to come together and pray about this. And in situations where you're looking to move from panic to peace, it might be you need to bring some trusted uh, prayer partners around you and say, hey, here's what we're facing. Would you join me in prayer? Now, that's step one. You ready to move on to step number two? Come on now. You ready to move on to step number two? Good, man, good. Step two is listen. Don't act impulsively. Listen. When we look up and find ourselves staring calamity right in the eyes, it's easy to act without thinking. 
After all, what are you supposed to do when a threat is imminent? Well, we just saw the first thing is pray, so we all got that, right? Well, what do you do after you pray? I heard someone once say, pray as if everything depends on God and work as though everything depends on you. You know what that leads me to believe? That as soon as I finish praying, I need to take action. We pray, and then we do something. Anything, right? Just act. Truth is, acting impulsively almost always makes our situations worse. Knee-jerk reactions don't bring peace. They complicate matters. Once we've prayed, what should we do? We should listen. We talk with God, and then we listen to God. That's what Jehoshaphat did. Would you look at with me at verse number 15 and 17? So they had this big prayer meeting. Jehoshaphat led them in prayer, and then they dismissed. Okay, prayer meeting done. You know what they did? They all just kept standing there quietly. Nobody said, I'm going to go sharpen my sword. I'm going to make, I got to go dig that shield out from under the bed. I got to make sure we got plane tickets. Nobody. They just kept standing there. And as they stood there, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to a man who was standing there. And I can't pronounce his name or I would. And he spoke up. Verse number 15, look what, it, look what it said. Look what it said. He said, you see this word? Listen. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Look at the next word. What's he saying? Listen, Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. What's the next line? Because it's a big one. Do not be... And what are we talking about here? Fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but... God's. I want us to look at verse 17. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. They listened and God spoke. The threat to Jehoshaphat and Judah was rapidly approaching. And under those circumstances, it would have been so easy for Jehoshaphat to take matters into his own hands and just act impulsively. But he did not. He prayed and then he listened. That's the second step on the pathway from panic to peace. We pray and we listen. Since we ask God for guidance, wouldn't it stand to reason that we would pause and be quiet and still long enough to give him an answer? To give us the guidance we ask for? Sure it would. So let me give you some tips on how to listen to God. You ready? Here again. Don't want to be redundant. I just feel somebody needs this. Number one, read the Bible because the Bible is still God's primary means of speaking to human beings. Now, you don't need to have your Bible behind a glass case somewhere in the hallway at the house and over that says, in case of emergencies. Because that's kind of how we operate. You know, if something bad happens, where's the Bible, honey? Where's that Bible? And, uh, well, I hadn't seen it. And, uh, you know, I know where my tackle box is, but I have no idea where my Bible's at. Listen to me. The way this works is we read the Bible consistently. Every day, if possible. Every day. Because this is, this is kind of how it works for me. When a crisis arises and I turn to God and go, what, 
what am I supposed to do here? More times than not, he reminds me of something I read weeks, months, or maybe even years ago. He says, hey, you remember that story about? And I go, yeah, I remember that. Whoa, those people found themselves in a situation almost identical to the one I'm in, and here's what you did for them, and here's what, man, and next, I'm getting, let me tell you what, if you say, God, guide me, and you don't have any idea what's in the Bible, what's he, listen, it's like saying, God, I want you to draw water, uh, you know, out of a well that doesn't have water, there's nothing in there, so here's what I'm saying, read the Bible, but you ought to read it consistently, I'm losing my mic. Which might be a good thing because the rubber's worn off this side and there's metal sticking in my ear. It feels like there's a hornet sitting on my left ear while I'm preaching. <laughs> so if you see me sling it in a minute, it might be because I'm hurting or maybe just aggravated. It's okay. If I have to, I'll lay it down. I can, I can yell loud enough that you can hear what I got to say. Read the Bible. Don't, you know, don't be in a hurry about it. Take your time. Pray for guidance. Ask God to speak to you. And there's another thing you can do. You can seek godly counsel. Did you notice that God spoke to Joseph through a human being? And sometimes that's exactly the way he does it. And so maybe you need to sit down with some, somebody that can give you godly advice. And uh, I just saw the thing sticking up here next to my eye. I'm like, that, that's not where it's supposed to be. Let me just, let me, let me. You need to hear from God. It might be that you sit down with somebody that you know could speak for God. You tell them the situation. Say, would you pray about it? And if God gives you a word for me, would you get back to me? And it could happen that way. If you listen to God, he'll speak. And when he does, let me tell you something he's going to do for you. He's going to encourage you. That's what he did for Jehoshaphat and the people. He told them, you have no reason to be afraid. And no reason to be discouraged. He assured them that he was with them and he could, he could and would handle this. How do you think those words affected them? I'll tell you how it affected them. When God finished talking, the Bible said Jehoshaphat and all the people got on their face and worshiped God and began to praise God. Those words clearly took them a long way down the path toward peace. When we take the time to listen to God, he will not only guide us, he'll encourage us. From the pages of the Bible or the words of a trusted friend, God to remind us that he is with us. He can do anything. And he will assure us that his help is on the way. God's encouraging words go a long way toward driving out fear and replacing it with peace. Now, one last step. Number three, believe. Don't doubt, but believe. When we shift our focus onto God through prayer, we become more aware of God's presence, faithfulness, and power. That's good. When we listen to God, he will remind us of his presence, faithfulness, and ability. That's good. But to completely move from panic to peace, we must believe. Not in ourselves, not in karma, not in good luck. We must believe God. Jehoshaphat and the people not only prayed and listened, they believed. Let's read verse number 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. That's just across the Georgia line. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that. All week I said, I'm going to say that, you know. (laughs) On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. See the next word? It's a big word. What does he say? Believe. Believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, 
and you will succeed. God had assured them that he was with them. He had promised to help them and guaranteed them victory. That was all good. And it was all absolutely necessary. But without faith on the part of these people, it was never going to produce peace. It wasn't enough to just know what God said. They had to believe it. Think of the contrast between these people and the people we read about last week. What was the difference? Both groups were told that God was present, faithful, and able. The group we discussed last week never believed. Therefore, they never found courage, nor did they find peace. To move from a state of panic to a state of peace, we must take God at his word. We must be 100% confident that God is with us. 100% confident that he's going to help us and that he can do anything. When we believe, two wonderful things happen. First, we receive peace. That's what happened to Jehoshaphat and the Judeans. Jehoshaphat turned and looked at the people and said, believe God. I think they did exactly as he exhorted them to do. You know what he did next? The Bible said he sought advice from the people you know what he was asking who are the best singers you go what he started asking who can really belt it out who can carry a tune who can harmonize who are the best singers we got next thing you know he assembled his group and he said here's what you're going to do you're going to go ahead of the armies and you know what you're going to do you're going to sing not just anything You're going to sing praises to God. You're going to give thanks to God in the words of your songs. That's what you're going to do. Think about this. The Judeans began to sing, praise God, and give thanks to God. I find that very interesting because the threat was still very real. But they're no longer afraid. They're already at peace. When we pray, listen, and believe, peace comes. Now, perhaps we're learning another valuable lesson about faith here. Faith not only unlocks courage, faith unlocks peace. When we believe, we begin to experience peace even though our circumstances haven't changed. We begin experiencing peace with all its benefits when our enemy is still breathing down our neck. When we're about to catch the full brunt of a storm. When it looks like our world's about to be turned upside down. Peace doesn't wait on the threat to pass to restore our joy and gratitude. Peace will perform its magic in the darkest of times. However, there's something else that happens when we believe. God often responds to faith by acting on our behalf. Our faith often acts as the catalyst for God's involvement. The Bible said at the very moment that these people demonstrated their faith by going ahead and giving thanks to God for a victory they hadn't won yet just because he said, you will win. He said, at that very moment, God went into action. He said, it's my fight, I'll fight it. You know what he did? He convinced the Ammonites and the Moabites that they shouldn't trust the men from Mount Seir. So you know what they did? They turned on them. They killed every one of them, wiping out a portion of this vast army. And the Bible said that wasn't enough. God didn't stop there. He caused the Ammonites and Moabites to begin to look at each other suspiciously, and they thought, well, I don't think I, don't think I can trust you. They started fighting among themselves. Until they killed every last, every, every last soldier was, was dead. So here comes Jehoshaphat and the Judeans, and they're singing. They're praising. Man, they're feeling God. They're at peace. 
And they, the Bible said they came to this place in the wilderness where they could go up on a, a vista and they could look down in the valley and, and see this army waiting on When they got to the top and they looked over, you know what they saw? This is what the Bible said. Dead bodies as far as they could see. When did God go into action? When they believed. The Bible said that Jehoshaphat and the Judeans came down there and they found great clothing. This wasn't cheap stuff, man. They got, this wasn't knockoffs. I mean, they found the good stuff. They found equipment. High-end equipment. They found valuables. Huh? So much that it took them three full days to gather the spoils of war. Three days of working hard. Do you understand what was going on here? God had decided to bless Israel with all this great clothing, all this neat equipment, updated equipment, and weapons, and valuables. He just used this vast army as a means of delivering it. You understand that he turned their battle into blessings. As a matter of fact, they said, we're going to name this valley. I'll give you one guess as what they named it. They named it the Valley of Blessing. On the fourth day, they went back into Jerusalem. They were worshiping God when they showed up. Shouting, praising, excited. You know, the Bible said the first thing they did, we got to tell you, you know what the first thing they did? They went down to the church. And they had a giant worship service. To thank God for all he had done for them. And then they got a little bonus. The Bible said that word spread throughout all their enemies, all the kingdoms around them, that God fights for Israel. And the Bible said it struck fear into the hearts of their enemies, so Jehoshaphat's kingdom had peace. Can I leave you with this thought? The God who is with you is fully capable of turning your greatest battles into your greatest blessings. So when your circumstances throw you into a state of panic, rather than worrying, acting impulsively, or doubting, take the pathway that leads from panic to peace. Talk to God. Listen to God. Trust God. Pray, listen, believe. Let's bow our heads together. You know what I'll bet? I'll bet I'm talking to some people. And this story sounded very, very familiar to you. Not because you've read it in a Bible or heard me teach about it. It sounded a lot like your life. Something surfaced. Something coming. I don't know. Maybe something's here that's stolen your peace. And man, you'd like to have it back. Well, there's a pathway back, and step one is pray. That's something we can do right here today.
So why don't you do this? Right there in the privacy of your own heart and mind. If you just think for a moment about what prayer is. Prayer is your opportunity to talk to God himself knowing he's listening to you with an inclination to step in and get involved and help you. I want to take a moment just to give him praise. What do you think about him? What do you know about him? Would you say it like this? God, you are fill in the blank. Faithful. God, you are loving, kind, present, gracious, merciful, all-wise, all-powerful. Just take some time. Before we talk to him about this problem, why don't you take a moment to give him thanks for some past victories. What do you need? Do you need his guidance? Why don't you tell him, God, I've tried my best to figure this one out. I guess the conclusion I've come to is I'm clueless. If there's a move I'm supposed to make, I need you to show me. And God, I've tried to handle it on my own, and I've come to this conclusion. I'm powerless. This one's a whole lot bigger than me. It's not bigger than you. So I'm asking for your help. And Lord, while I'm at it, I'm going to make a commitment to you, and that is I'm going to take some time in the next few weeks to really listen to what you have to say to me. that you'll help me by restoring my peace. Long before you win the battle for me, God, I'm asking that you restore my peace. Father, thank you. You know us. You know that we're going to have fears. You know the battles. So, God, you've made a way for us to overcome fear. One of the greatest things is this gift of peace. So I pray that you'll help us. If peace has been taken from us to start down the pathway today, it takes us from panic back to peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. I love you guys.